Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to Screenspeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and as always, I thank you very much for being here, taking the time to listen to this episode, and most importantly, supporting this podcast. Is this your first time here? Well, awesome. Very happy to have you here. I really seriously think that you picked a great episode to stumble across for your first exposure to the Screenspeak world. Have you been here before? This isn't your first time you've heard my voice? Well, even better, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you. That's Y-O-U for those of us that can't spell. <laughs> okay. Now, whether it is your first time here or you do happen to be a regular, show some support for ScreenSpeak by hitting the follow button and the bell so that you stay in the loop on new episodes. And from there, you can get involved on ScreenSpeak social, primarily at this point, by way of Instagram, which is at ScreenSpeak Podcast. That information is all in the description of this episode. And I say primarily right now because while there is also a Facebook community, I did a post recently in which I told everyone that I'm in the process of debating whether or not to simply just have ScreenSpeak social live solely on Instagram, or to continue having both Facebook and Instagram be its social, or perhaps another variation even off of that, someplace that ScreenSpeak is not at. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, if so, I would love to hear it. Send me a DM or direct message or email the podcast at any time and seriously let me know or comment on whatever it is that you're listening to this on. Uh, and for that matter, just share your thoughts on social media and podcasts too. I'm always looking for ways to better utilize these platforms or explore new ways to get ScreenSpeak out there. The world of social media is one that I find to be ever-changing, and I would just want to make sure that ScreenSpeak's place on it makes the most sense, and it's doing the most for you all, the fans of the podcast. So definitely let me know your thoughts on that. You got any tips, tricks, recommendations, anything like that, anything at all, I'll take it. Just let me know. Now, something else I'd like to get your opinion on before I move on with the rest of this introduction is the release schedule of this podcast. It's something I've been hearing a lot lately just from other podcasts or people asking me about mine saying, hey, like, when do you put out your episodes? Like, is it every Friday? Is it every Monday? You do it twice a week? When the hell do you do this, right? I don't know if I have a strict answer for that at this point. I, I, I feel like, at least very lately, I've been consistent in putting out at least one episode a week. Uh, that's usually the goal, maybe two if I am being generous or I just have a good amount of time at my hands. I don't know. But that said, I'd be really curious to see when you all prefer to listen to ScreenSpeak. I'm sure I can certainly go into my analytics of the episodes that I do have out and take a look at when people listen the most, and that will probably yield some positive answers, or at least some answers. But I'd rather just ask you guys, rather ask you ladies, guys, anybody that is listening, doesn't really matter. I want to know what you think, because I want to put this stuff out when it makes the most sense for you, so let me know. Sometimes I don't even know if certain podcasts have release dates, for that matter. I shouldn't say release dates, but release schedules. I feel like I just follow a number of them that just put them out whenever is convenient for them. And you just look at your phone, and when you see the bell, or you're going through your feed, and you see there's new content, you listen to it. It's like, how often are you actually waiting for that Monday morning or, or you know that you know Wednesday evening to drop by in order to check out the person's content? I don't know. Maybe there is something on this. Point is, I don't know. I need to know that from you. So enough said. Now, 
Moving on to what's actually in this episode. I got two guests with me, Lucas Halverson and Dylan Jacobson. So Lucas is a guy I've never met before, never met him at all, and he's never been on this podcast before. I first saw him as an actor in a short that was directed by Dylan, and since then we got connected with each other by way of Instagram, messaging each other, and just kind of trying to figure out when we could do a podcast together. And originally the plan was to just have uh, Lucas be on with me, uh, but then Dylan was with him, and I was like, hey, you guys both can be on the podcast. The more the merrier. I'm all good with it. Uh, so that's how that happened. A little bit about Lucas. He's actually a county supervisor for a small town here in Iowa by day, and by night he works at pursuing his dreams of acting and in general, just getting involved with the world of movies. Now, Dylan, on the other hand, has been here before, previously talking about his short film, Large, and that's the film that featured Lucas as the lead actor, so that's kind of how we all got connected. And Dylan himself, he's clearly has a lot of talents behind the camera. I think he's up and coming, and he has a unique intellectual perspective when he talks about movies, just the way he speaks to them. And I thankfully think that it's in a way that, for me personally, is not condescending or talking down to others. Because that's a risk that you run into when you meet a number of intellectuals or creatives, specifically in the world of filmmaking, is sometimes they can be kind of highbrow and pretentious and snobby, and it basically turns off your average person. At least that's what I find. And thankfully, Dylan, for all his big brains, he is not like that. He's pretty down to earth and just is a pretty knowledgeable person when it comes to movies, and I'm excited to see what he continues to put out in the world of film. So together, the three of us talk about various aspects of movies that resonate with us the most. We talk about the power of telling a personal story, discuss when it's best to watch movies alone versus when you watch one with an audience, live action remakes, particularly for some reason on The Lion King. Uh, So when you take those live action remakes and you're deriving them from animated content, what does that really do? Is one better than the other? Should they coexist? What's going on with that? We talk about ticket prices today, when it's too expensive, when it's too cheap, is there any meaning behind that, and a whole lot more. And finally, towards the end of the episode, I take a chance and I do something new. I play movie games. I've never done this before. I I don't know why I haven't done it. I know a lot of different podcasts out there, they do these little games or these little segments. And I came up with a few for this episode and I felt it appropriate to roll them out on this one. So love to see what you all think. What I do is I'm essentially pitting classic movies against each other. Won't say how, because you'll have to get to that point in the episode to figure that out. But it's in a creative way, and I think I designed it to stir up our overall knowledge of movies and to sort of challenge our perspectives on them to basically answer things that are damn near impossible to answer. So really, really had a lot of fun with that. Definitely think it's something I'm going to be revisiting down the road for ScreenSpeak. So all that being said, I would love to hear your thoughts on the questions that are posed during those games. Love to hear your thoughts on the overall content of this episode and those earlier questions I asked at the beginning of this introduction. So reach out to ScreenSpeak on Instagram. You can email or just leave a comment through your preferred podcast platform. I promise you all. I'm the one that's reading them, the sole person that's reading them. This isn't that big of a thing just yet where I have assistants doing all my work for me. Knock on wood. Perhaps that'll happen. Who knows? Uh, But I don't even know if I want an assistant doing this stuff. I kind of like the control. I I don't know. Uh, Why would I turn away an assistant? I don't know. I, I actually think it would be pretty cool to have one. Write that down. You know what movie that's from? Think about that. <laughs> okay. 
All that being said, again, appreciation goes out to each and every one of you for listening. Thanks so much. Enjoy the latest episode of ScreenSpeak. Take care. I'm that guy. So I have an app plug for these guys. My movies pro costs about five bucks. So it's not free. Sorry to say, uh, but it is a catalog app. So you can quite literally have all your movies on the go with you. Um, just basically, I mean, not like digital copies, but you can basically just be like, Hey, like if someone's like, do you own this? I can be like, hmm, well, let me check. Actually, yeah. and I can go ahead and do that. But it also counts it for you. So according to this, I have 478, and I don't know if that's including things that are like bundles. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the four right. packs and like stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, anybody that heard that, please don't come and steal my movies because I just <laughs> basically told you how many I have, and you could probably guesstimate the value and everything like that. So, but yeah. Um, so, let's go ahead and get this started officially, sir. Um, first off, welcome to my home. Thank you. Uh, not every day I have people come and record in the home office, but I got to admit I did a little bit of a a search on you, if you will. I didn't like go like criminal court website or you know anything like that. But I'm like, okay, he's got like a decent photo in his profile picture. He knows Dylan. Dylan wasn't a freak, so you know the things were adding up that this would be okay. I appreciate that you don't think I'm a freak. <laughs> well, I no. mean, he doesn't know you that well yet. So, but I mean, <laughs> you guys, because you guys have to think about it. it, it you know, it's a, it's a risk when you when you invite oh, yeah. someone over to your home, especially mm-hmm. like if if like they don't know you and stuff. Like you, you don't know, right? And, and like I I don't I don't do it all the time, but you know, if I have reason enough to believe, I'm like, ah, yeah, person's all right. I mean, like, what what are they gonna do? Right. right. What are they gonna do? Plus, you know, uh, clearly I'm a very intimidating person, you know, so I, I was mean, <laughs> pretty scared. Like I thought you were here selling crack <laughs> right. to our fellow tenants, but yeah. you, you weren't really doing that. This isn't that part of the town. I, I don't think uh, very nice looking. So your name, your name is Lucas. It is. Yep. What's your last name? Halverson. Halverson is my given last name. What's your middle name? Dean. Okay. Where'd yes. that come from? Uh, as far as I know, uh, It'd be my great grandfather on my mother's side. His name was Dean, but um, my dad, his middle name is also Dean. So I'm not sure which uh, which one. It, whether they're just copying my dad's middle name or uh, they wanted to throw my grandfather into it. Maybe it was a mix of both. But that's uh, the origin of that. I would assume. Nice. I, I mean, that's way more than I expected you to know. Yeah. Like some people are just like, uh, I don't know, man. Like they, they just picked it out. Right. <laughs> um, how did you two get hooked up? Um, well, we, we were in high school together. He was a grade below me. Correct. Uh, I think two grades, two grades yeah. below me. Um, so, you know, being in the small town that we were in, it's pretty, you know, you, you, you know, pretty much everybody in town. So we've known of each other for, mm-hmm pretty much our entire lives um but you know things like drama um different activities through high school you, you got closer started hanging out with mutual friends um sure. realizing we had certain things in common and uh what do you guys what do you guys have in common 
Um, probably a big, big one being, being the movie space, uh, um, making movies, watching movies, just a general love for film, uh, and the arts in general, um, mm-hmm. uh, being on stage and, and drama production, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's always been, um, a core of, of sort of who we are and what, what makes us up. So, um, and I think that's the case for, for a lot of the friends we hang out with, you know, it's, it's that sort of general artsy space. And it's, and it's one of those deals where, you know, sometimes you go through you go through high school and, and you have certain friends because you you either you either want to hang out with this certain crowd of, of people or you want to you want to reach a certain echelon in in the sort of high school uh, uh, popularity chain. But uh, having friends like Dylan and and some of the other guys we hang out with, where it's just you know, it's not like I'm friends with Dylan to try and get something out of him, right? It's just we we bonded and yeah. and you know we're through through just real uh real life stuff which which is what makes the best the best sort of friends you can have in in this world so yeah no i i was i would agree with that i i don't think i've ever like been the mindset if i you know try to make a friend with anybody to like be like what can they do for me right. like it's not usually like the first thing that comes across my mind it's just usually can i um, you know, obviously talk with them. I think that's just a big one. Just how conversational are they? And do they really have an interest in me? Do I have an interest in them? Um, obviously like you look for like similar interests and things like right. that too. Um, but I also just think you look for people that are reliable yep. too. Cause that's sometimes a thing I've, I've had bad experience with in the past is just kind of flakes and you know, that, that whole thing, it, it can be disappointing. Right. But well, and I've always, I've always held, you know, when I was younger, there there was a very influential person in my life who who made a statement that you should you should surround yourself with people who are more successful than you or better than you and and use that as a uh, uh, a guiding light of sorts uh, as as you grow as a person and I feel like you know, in a certain way, we, we've been able to bounce off each other and, and help each other, whether it's situations in, in the film uh, space or just on a personal level, uh, you know, we've been able to to sort of push each other to become better than uh, who we were originally. So surrounding yourself with people like that, I think, is 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 important in life. And how old are you? 2022 still i believe 22 yeah 23 here in july so well not to pull the i'm older card but i will just for a moment because i usually hate it when people are like back in my day and like they, <laughs> right. they do that whole thing but for you to realize that at this age is like i'm not kidding i'm gonna sound like the older brother but it is a very good thing that you know that because I, I know when I was that age, I didn't really think about friends kind of that way. I probably didn't think that much about it at all. I just kind of feel like I, I sort of lucked into, you know, being around people or in some cases unluck because you didn't really like think about it too hard. Right. And then before you know it, you're in one of those situations where it's like, eh, you know, these kind of people aren't really who I really want to be around and I yeah. need to do other things. And then, you know, it's almost like breaking up, you know, right. except uh, not with a woman, but with a dude. So. Yeah. You don't you don't want to be surrounded by people. <laughs> that are going to drag you down and then no. the sooner you realize that and point out who those people are uh the, the better off you're you're going to be and luckily i was able to point point out who those people were you know i felt early in my life so it's good um, it's good yeah 
So I gotta I gotta go into some back on the research I did on you a little bit because I try to actually do prep. Uh, when I talked to Dylan, it was just kind of hey you're at the film fest right. and the uh, you you want to be on the podcast and it was just like sure let's go over to this dimly lit corner in a vacant room <laughs> and, and do a podcast. But um, for yourself, so where are you where are you from, Luke? Um, Conrad, Iowa uh, is where where I grew up. I originally. Um, I was in Gladbrook, which is just about 15, 20 minutes away um, for the first few years of my life. Then uh, parents got divorced, ended up moving to Conrad, started school there, um, pretty much been there um, since then. Uh, and that's where I currently live, bought a house a couple years ago. So um, the Conrad Gladbrook area, I sort of consider them sort of 50 50, you know, for a number of years going back and forth because dad mm-hmm. still lived in Gladbrook. But uh, Conrad is. We went to school where I live now, so I consider that sort of my home, I guess. Sure. And, well, to, to be clear, too, like where I kind of first got exposed to you was in a way vicariously through Dylan because I saw you in his short large, uh, which I'm glad you're able to muster the courage to to get that pizza order no, correct. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, had that been the first thing that you had uh, you had acted in or like done as as far as creatively, like with like a you know video and the whole whole thing? Uh, we had we'd done a number of sort of short films uh, prior to that. Uh, there was uh, we'd done I think three for uh, the 48 hour film festival, um, and then you know in high school just a number of little short you know project deals here and there i mean all throughout high school we were doing just a number of sort of little things like that uh you know any chance we we could we would um whether it was a school project you do a little little snippet for or something so uh no it, it, it wasn't the first time but it was it was sort of the it was a unique experience just just in in what the film itself was you know there's only one person on screen besides yeah. Dylan in in the motivational video. So there's you're not acting off of anybody. You, you you don't have somebody to share dialogue with in a sense. So it was it was probably the most unique acting experience that that I've had uh, uh, with Dylan. Um, Did it help that you guys had the history that you guys had for that? I think so. I you know we were able to play off each other really well, and 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 we've got the relationship now where uh, you know it's not. You know, Dylan obviously knows loads more than I do as far as the technical side of film, but he's not somebody who's not willing to listen to ideas. And and that's that's a, been a huge part why I think our group, our film group as a whole, works so well together. And you're, I mean, you're forced to when you do something like the 48-hour film festival. I mean, you have such little time and you have to crunch out so much creative things that you have to be willing to listen and, 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 you know, digest everything anybody is saying, uh, in order to come to a final conclusion. So any ideas I have, Dylan's always willing to listen. And, and we have a close enough relationship now where, you know, he's not afraid to tell me when an idea doesn't work or yeah. why it doesn't work or, Hey, you know, it just doesn't make sense, you know? Um, so he's, he's good at giving, giving constructive criticism like that. Definitely. Yeah, and, and, and I think I'll kind of bounce off of that. So with, with large specifically and being able to, uh, I guess, bounce off of uh, basically the, the actors that you have to bounce off of, you have one person that's on the phone and then you have one person that's on a TV screen. Right. And you're just trying to like act as naturally as you can. And also you have to pantomime a little bit because you're not speaking or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And 
being able to kind of just uh, with with knowing each other for so long, I, I was able to just like uh, communicate my vision because um, I, I was basically just doing a bunch of the a bunch of the stuff behind the scenes. As as I said, I, that's more of my scope mm-hmm. is basically I was able to easily or, or more easily communicate what uh, not what I wanted him to do. Because I that that's that's an actor's job. That's not a that's not a director's job. Well, I, it kind of is, but it's more on a conceptual side. Mm-hmm. Basically, I, I give him the situation and I and I tell him what the what the character um, who is also aptly named Lucas would uh would is, is who he kind of is, and he's just able to just kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as our group is, um, I'm getting a. Uh, I'm getting probably the most formal training out of any of our uh, people besides, I think, one person that uh, has pro- probably the brunt of our equipment, at least on the camera side. Uh, I'm getting the most formal training uh, mm-hmm. on higher education. So with that, I'm able to, I guess, get more theoretical uh, parts of film uh, kind of ingrained into uh, into what we do as well as... Uh, I, I kind of know what is uh, technically possible, especially on the uh, on, on on our scale of expertise. That being said, I find myself uh, trying to purposefully limit myself to make things as easy as possible, and I find that also kind of stunts my creative process. Mm-hmm. So having people that probably don't necessarily know as much about like what is possible with a camera or like hiding a hiding a microphone somewhere having somebody that doesn't exactly know that and is and isn't afraid to uh this is the more important part isn't afraid to reach out a little bit more and try and be a bit more i guess uh, adventurous mm-hmm. is uh is is really really it, it's i think it's necessary so yeah, it's it's interesting with the, the just the overall field of collaborations, uh, specifically in film, because it's a very obviously creative field. Whether it's the technical side of it, which I think it's important that you mention actually that there can be creativity and ingenuity with the actual technical side, because I think a lot of people just think of like you know the you know like the art direction or they think of the acting and stuff. But it's like no, like there's there's creative choices that are done with the technology to make the overall scene work and whatnot. But what I think is interesting, what you guys were kind of just hitting on right now, is that creatives, I mean, A, as people, like, they're very uh, very outspoken a lot of time, have big opinions, big ideas, and those can clash sometimes, often, uh, maybe more times than not. And I do think it is really important and probably not easy to find that balance where it's like, you know... You know, Dylan here has a technical side of things, whereas Lucas, he might see things a different way. But you guys respect each other enough that you're not going to be like, well, I don't want to like, you know, piss him off or like, you know, get like his idea taken the wrong way or something. You're just open with it because ultimately I think what most creatives want that understand this is they want the best thing for the audience. You know, they basically, you know, the story wins. Um, you guys just want to get to the best place and, you know, make it through it in one piece. So, um, so Lucas, did I see that you are a County supervisor? Yep. Yep. That's, that's correct. Uh, ran for the office in, uh, the 2020 election. Um, does actually, that mean like you're political or I guess, yeah. I, I guess I don't really know yeah, yeah. a ton so, about local so politics, not to sound stupid. It's a, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a political office. It's a, um, 
it's a, a you know four term or four year term um and essentially essentially what it is 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 we uh we set the budget for the county um we oversee the different department heads so like your your assessor your treasurer mm-hmm. um you know public health veterans affairs all that stuff all, all the county departments are underneath we're sort of just the the overseer of the of the budget for the different departments um you, you know there's there's little things here and there we set the bonds for the county and whatnot um but yeah it's uh it's a it's a very fulfilling position, uh, especially in a smaller community. How'd you get into that? Um, I was always I was always very, I, you know, throughout throughout high school, I was always a very sort of outspoken, you know, po- I don't want to say political guy. I hate I hate the word mm-hmm. politician and, and political just because it's so, you know, it's just. It's it's taken such a nasty sort of turn, you know, in recent years. But uh, just having conversations with people, just talking about issues and stuff, yeah. was always a passion of mine, especially throughout high school. And uh, um, I, especially in the in the community, I always had this drive to offer as much of myself as I possibly could to help further my community and the people within it. And this position. Uh, you know, there was a calling from people within the community. Um, I, I thought to myself that, that I'd be able to, to help out in, in some sort of way and, uh, ran, it was, it was very, you know, the 2020, you had COVID going on. I was deployed for the entire campaign. So I was running essentially a virtual campaign from, from overseas, mm-hmm. but because of the pandemic, it, it sort of helped in our favor because everybody was used to doing everything online sure. um, and virtually. Um, so ended up, ended up winning, taking office in January of, of 21 um, and, and held it ever since. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, we have meetings every Monday morning and then there's, there's uh you know, spatterings of different meetings throughout the week. That's a fun you know. word, spattering. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's an act. It just came to mind. So it sounded, uh, it sounded legit. Uh, you know, it's it's a yeah, very fulfilling job. Are you are you are you fact checking this? Yeah, right fact now? checking this. I, I, I have to. I I appreciate that because a lot of the time the listener might like be tempted to do it themselves, but we got you covered here. Right, there we're, you go. we're we're taking care of this. Spattering. Yeah. Cover with drops or spots of something. So or kind of or fall I mean, it was or, a word or right. fall so as to be scattered over an area <clears throat> there so. you go scattered over an area meeting scattered over the week where did you pull that out of your vocabulary I, did it just i've heard it different places and i thought it fit in the situation that's <laughs> i think i think to myself often like where i come up with certain words that i say just happens in the so moment, i guess so let me ask i mean you know county supervisor you have military experience which thank you for your service i don't just yep. like be one of those like thank you for your service <laughs> right. like I, I do actually mean it um pro-military so um i noticed you have you have a couple of zero dark 30 on the shelves 13 yep. hours you have some solid solid yeah thir- 13 hours is there i know saving private ryan's yep, there classic, uh, classic. i think lone survivor's on there somewhere movie. um but got got a fair amount of stuff black hawk down um yeah random mm-hmm. ones there here and there but yeah but i gotta ask so like you and Dylan kind of, you know, you're artistically working together on projects, you know, you're going to be doing acting. Is this something you're still going to be pursuing alongside with 
the political or sorry, not the political work, but the supervisor right, work right. that you're doing. Um, so it's, I've always, I'm not the kind of guy who I don't want to get into politics for the sake of getting into politics. Right. right. As is like a career or a job mm-hmm. or anything. Um, and just ever since taking up this position, just hanging out more in that space, uh, you know, at the state level or even talking to federal politics, it, it's just such, it's just such a tough draining world to get into you know playing the political game right and you know you have you have people that get into politics who are honestly in it to do the right thing but then you have a lot of them that are just in it to fulfill an ego and just to to grow go as far as they so so i've never got into a saying yeah i like you know after this point i want to move up to this level and then move up to this level right it's never been the goal and so i i I don't my re-election is coming up in in 2024 Mm -hmm. if there's enough people who want me to run for re-election i'm more than happy to do it if not i felt like you know i've accomplished a lot of what i've wanted to in my first term and i'm happy to step away uh it's i'm gonna go wherever i'm needed and if i'm no longer needed in the space I'm more than happy to accept that. And you're going to continue acting and, and doing that sort of thing? Yeah, and that, you know, that's sort of, everybody has their hobby, right? Sure. And <clears throat> this, I feel, is, is one of the most prominent, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you spend so much time thinking about it or, you know, you just constantly, every single day, there's different ideas going through your head or different, you know, goals that you want to reach and, you know, for something for so long to take up that much space in your in your mind, uh, mm-hmm. it, it has to be something that that you stick with. And, and as long as I'm, even if it's not not in the acting space, right? Because just being an actor is something I used to think you know I wanted to do, but delving more into the creative side of 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 writing or directing or you know things like that Mm -hmm. i've gotten to a point now where i'm more willing to step aside out of the screen sort of sort of like dylan i mean he he used to spend a lot more time on screen in different projects but now he focuses a lot more on on the directing side or writing side and i feel like it's you know there's times you can get the message across better if there's somebody else taking up the football, that's the story and running it Mm -hmm. and you're on the sidelines coaching, you know, it's, it's that sort of mindset that I've, and Dylan's been somebody who's helped me sort of realize that and, and uh, come to that conclusion. I think a lot of these things, uh, you know, depending on the path that you kind of walk down uh, creatively speaking, um, it, it really is not easy to me figuring out that, right exact lane and i don't think there really is like truly like a straight lane especially for this type of field um but it certainly does help if you have people in your corner that are seeing that you have potential in something and they're you know they want to further you and and make you kind of feel you know help you find basically like what you gravitate towards Mm -hmm. to me from what i'm hearing you sound like you're in 
that process very much like in the thick of it um but you seem pretty open to kind of what happens and you're not trying to overthink it yeah uh which i think is good i mean like plan- planning's healthy for sure and i you obviously doing the work you do i would imagine you have to do that um but yeah i think it's it is important to anybody that's listening out there to just kind of allow yourself to be open to possibility and and also not like shy away from it too. right and and it goes back to something you mentioned earlier you know we do we as filmmakers you want to do what's right for the film and for the audience you yeah. know and and there's there's a certain amount of i don't want to say selfishness but uh personal you know personal uh output that that you have yeah you have in your because so many so many great films have come from a very personal spot yeah. right and and you know this was a conversation dylan and i had you know a few weeks ago where like you know i'm in the middle of writing you know some sort of a a screenplay right? like i have i have a you know story idea in my head and i'm i'm trying to flesh it out and everything and it sort of comes from a very personal spot mm-hmm. and during the initial stages of this, it was, I, I did it with the thought of, I want to write this story so I can relive a moment of my life in a different way, mm-hmm. how I would have wanted it to go in my head, but you know, it didn't pan out that way in the real life. So this story is going to be a catalyst <clears throat> for, um, for me to relive that experience essentially. And, and I was looking at it through, through the vein of being on screen, actually physically going through this story in a different light, but it, it can, it can cloud your vision. I feel like if you're solely focused on, on that, on that level and, you know, Dylan and I forget, remind me what, how he phrased it but essentially it was would you rather would you rather all right uh basically what i said is uh especially since this is uh more of a obviously reliving is a bit more of a retrospective look on on Mm -hmm. one's own life do you want to basically do you want to to have the things that happen in the film happen to you or do you want to see it happen before your own eyes Mm. Yeah. And, and, and that's where, you know, writing a story and having, having a different actor portray that experience mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I, and I don't know, cause I've never had it really happen. I don't know what would be more, more cathartic, I guess, is, is watching somebody, somebody do it before your own eyes or actually reliving it yourself. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, and again, just another one of the things that, that you know, in, in our process of, of being friends and, and, and our group as a whole, it help, helped us sort of grow and realize and <clears throat> move on from, I guess. It's kind of kind of an interesting thing I think you pointed out is, and I hadn't really thought of this in, in this specific way before, but like movies where someone is taking some very personal slice of their life. Now, one that I'm just weirdly enough going to call up because I just quite literally watched it last night was Clerks 3, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Smith's uh, newest movie. Now, I'm not going to give like a whole, you know, full review of that movie and everything like that, but there is definitely a very meta quality of it, and he's certainly trying to relive things from his past and kind of put it through a different lens and things like that. 
Um, but like you said, if you focus too much on the solely you kind of part of it, then you, you know, you don't want to lose your audience too much and do something just for you because then nobody's going to basically pay the price of admission and and do this whole thing. But at the same time as well, being truthful to your art and being truthful to your life and your story, what an opportunity it is to be able to get enough people to collaborate, to put something together that is so personal to Mm -hmm. you. And then you maybe on the selfish part are the person that gets to set back to sit back and watch it as if you're quite literally outside of your own head. Exactly. You get like a 360 degree view of it. And then it's almost like you're paying for like the most expensive form of therapy because exactly, <laughs> well, exactly. because it's like, then you're also getting to see these things so vividly play out in front of you that you also are watching it happen from other angles. Right. So it's like, how does that not, only affect you but it's like i feel like if you're transparent enough about it and true the the audience will pick up on this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely it's a big Mm -hmm. thing um both you guys got a question for you so title of this podcast is screen speak i'm trying to actually be good about asking this question to people more how do movies speak to the both of you uh i think personally personally movies have always been a sort of escape right I mean, you, you get it, you get to experience somebody else's story and in part, what a good movie does is it, it almost brings you to a point where you put yourself in that story and for two and a half hours or or however long that movie might be, you're almost living a different life, Mm -hmm. right? And, and what's been so great about movies and, and what I think so many people, you know, why, why they've been such a solid form of entertainment for such a long time is it really is an escape for people, regardless of what crap is happening in your real life. Yeah. For that period of time, you're able to sit down and immerse yourself in a different world mm-hmm. and just completely forget about, about anything else is happening. And, you know, that's been a very... Yeah, it's been, you know, a huge, a huge thing for me is it's, it's, it's just relaxing. It's an escape. And there's been so many, you know, there's so many different lives that you want to live. Right. And that's, you know, I'm the same way. There's so many different things I want to do in life that are completely unconnected and, you know, watching whether it's, you know, watching an, an action movie or, or a rom-com or, you know, a drama, each one is a different path and, and a different way to experience, you know, what that other life might be. Mm-hmm. What about you, sir? I think I uh, kind of touched on this last time I was here. So I'll, uh, yeah. I, I'll, if my memory uh, serves me correctly, I think it's, uh, <clears throat> um, I, I'll, I'll kind of, uh, kind of dance around it as well and kind of flesh it out. So I think I initially said that it was, uh, basically a way to uh to look at the world in different ways and be able to take in you know, take in the viewpoints from uh from people and areas that you might not see every day like uh i don't know and and some of them some of them might not even be even possible like superhero movies like they're as far as we know unless the government is uh hiding something from us there aren't any real life superheroes. the government never does that they always tell us everything yeah the government would never do that (laughs) um and anyway so i think as just just beyond that i think i think watching movies in a way makes you a better person 
Uh, just being able to, I guess, it, it's it's a bunch of people with that are coming together to bring a vision to life, mm-hmm. and being able to 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 take this vision in a very entertaining and digestible way is a very uh, is a very good way to, uh, I guess, intake other other views and be able to even personalize it even more. So I I, I think that's uh, that that's I guess on the more enjoyment aspect. Obviously, of course, being able to to watch movies and be able to appreciate the technical <clears throat> aesthetics or uh, or some of the more theoretical aesthetics um, has kind of helped me foster my own creative process as well mm-hmm. and be able to realize things about myself as a filmmaker. The answer is different for everybody, and I also think it's ever-changing. That's one of the reasons I love asking the question is because it's just there's really no two ways to kind of say say it. Right. it it's really different for everybody. Um, I've given different versions of the answer myself because, you know, if I pose the question back to me, I think just on a, on a knee-jerk reaction answer kind of thing, I really gravitate towards movies because of two things. One, kind of to Dylan's point. Um, it makes you a more well-rounded person, I think, because you're getting so many different pieces of information and art kind of coalesce together in a way that other mediums don't, don't do. Uh, and you can really take away a lot of it, but then also the emotional level of it, like for myself, certain times I just want to watch something like to Luke's point to just forget, just to like kind of, you know, de-stress and watch maybe like a comfort movie I've seen like a million times. Or I'm, you know, going to be like, I just want to cry my eyes out tonight and, and watch watch something that's going to feel like a gut punch, but it, it might be a necessary one. Uh, and just the fact that I can go through those different emotions with the right film and then just walk away with so much different knowledge and scope on, you know, this crazy thing that we call life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that to me is kind of what it's all about. And then Absolutely. just being able to have conversations like this, I, I think it's huge. Um of course, it brings together a lot of people, too. Um, another question I had for you guys just on on this subject of, of movies and, and speaking to us and whatnot. Personal preference, and I don't think I've asked this before. Are there certain movies that you really would only rather watch just, like, by yourself as opposed to, like, with a bunch of people? Because I feel like some movies are so personal for people that, like, I don't want to watch them always with, like, somebody else and, you know, talk about, like, it's so personal to, like, just me. I didn't know if you guys had a movie like that. I think there's, you know, I certainly have, you could call them, like, guilty pleasure movies, right? Right. It's like it's like movies that, for, for whatever reason, you yourself connect with, but, but you know probably nobody else you hang out with is going to at all be interested. <laughs> in 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 this store and that's you know that's that's one of the great things about the about the art form is is it can speak to so many different people like uh yeah there's certainly whether it's whether it's like a a random movie from my childhood that I just want to capture a little bit of that nostalgia, you know, mm. or, or I'm thinking about something I want to go back, you know, pop like like I have a number of, of DVDs of like, you know, movies from my childhood that that I love every once in a while looking back on and and I I'm not gonna invite anybody over to watch some freaking, you know, like cartoon that I watched when I was five years old. But you know, it's it's I'm sure everybody has those certain movies that, that they feel the same way about. And it's it's not something to be like you know, I can be embarrassed about them or anything, but yeah. it's just not you know, it's it's a very uh 
is a moment to to look in on yourself and and think back to 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 your past and 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 relive a bit of the, I mean that's what nostalgia is. It's a great thing about nostalgia is like how how long does it take for something to officially become nostalgia? That's that's a good like, question. Like two years and then now it's nostalgic. Like. I mean, it seems <laughs> it seems like, but it's such a it's such a weird. I've always been fascinated with nostalgia in itself. I mean, just as a yeah. just as a feeling. Um, and I, obviously right now the movie scene as a whole is in a huge nostalgia kick the past, you know, five or six years, you're remaking every, every past, you know, you know, movie and making sequels, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely, there's a market for it. That's, that's for sure. What's a movie that you think like maybe that's recently or out now where like, you know, it's going, you're going to look back on it with nostalgia. God, that's a good it's a tough one well it, it's tough because so many of the movies that, that we're experiencing right now it's like you, you hate to say it but you feel like hollywood i guess is is in sort of a creative crisis where almost everything happening right now is is like a remake or a sequel or or a reincarnation of of some different story um certainly like you look at the blockbusters and stuff like that i mean that's that's almost what, but I I just don't know, and it's so weird because because like you pointed out, like there could be something that came out four years ago, right? And and you see it on screen again, and you're like, oh, that makes you kind of feel like, yeah, like, yeah, I missed I missed that character or whatnot. Well, because I think when a lot of people mention nostalgia, not to go on a tirade about this, but like I think a lot of people you you hear that word and you instinctually think, oh, it's something when I was a kid, right? You always like think a kid. It's like, well, but someone could be like you know 30 and then when they're 50 they look back at something and be like oh this reminds me of when i was 30 right and exactly, it's like, exactly you know i think it, it it is there for certainly all forms of life that's for sure mm-hmm. and just to touch on what you said about the the originality in movies and whatnot um i, I try not to generalize too much and, I, and i'm not nitpicking you on you right. know saying hollywood and whatnot because a lot I, I mean a lot of people do it i've done it before myself um I thank God that there's like studios out there, not to sound like a douche or a snob, but like A24 mm-hmm. and places like that that are putting out a lot of original content. Absolutely. And also some of these streamers that are out there that are likewise putting out stuff. Television is certainly in a in a in a high point yep, that it hasn't yep, been forever. But definitely. but I will absolutely say you're you're hitting the money on the head when it comes to the big budget like blockbuster types. Mm-hmm. You don't see very often many studios these days, especially that are taking a financial gamble with something that isn't already an established IP right. or something that has like a sequel or name recognition. I think maybe the last time, and, and this is this might not be the greatest example, but I'm thinking on the fly. Um, that they did this was the the Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. If you guys seen that movie, it's a Luc Besson movie. The guy who did like The Fifth Element and like Leon the Professional. Uh, it's I mean it's not a very good movie. I just, I just want to point that out. <laughs> it's it's not very good, but there is a lot of beautiful visuals in the movie, and there's a lot of good ideas there. It just right. to me like doesn't uh, go in the execution. But still, that's like the last movie I can remember where it wasn't some really well-known thing and they actually were able to get some money behind it i don't know what it takes always to get that especially with this economy and entertainment right now and and, and there's another thing to be said about this talking about and and i can't believe that that this idea wasn't spurred from talking about ip it was spurred from the fact that you said that there was a bad film that had good cinematography um there's a uh (laughs) 
there was a there was a film that I watched in February at film scene at the Chauncey, um, which is uh, you know, the, which is Iowa City's art house, yep. and uh, basically uh, they have this uh, they have this thing called late shift at the Grindhouse, and they usually bring bring in some like obscure horror dark comedy film. Um, in a deviation, they brought in a new release, a little film called Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. I sadly have heard of this. Yes. I I saw it. It was a sold out crowd, and basically, um, the and the reason why why it was brought up from like bad cinematography from from a bad story, good mm-hmm. good cinematography is that my biggest takeaway is that that film, if anything, is a masterclass in how you can do low budget cinematography yeah. and 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 have it be like visually pleasing and and, and very well done. That being said, it's so bad, and I loved it. Yeah, um, it's it's like it, it's like a one of those one of those uh like films that you don't watch to enjoy. You watch right. to laugh at and make fun of. Do do, do the filmmakers know this, uh, or do you think they were actually like intentionally wanting to like make a serious film that people are not doing what you're describing? I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine. It, it's an, it's like, an anomaly. We still need to watch that. Mm-hmm. I need to get get the boys over, and we need to watch that. Um, you see. I can see it going either way. You see, there, it's it was it was done on like a sub a hundred thousand dollar budget, and they it's already made like five million in the box office and in uh, prime streaming. Stuff I and mean, that like is that. the beauty about horror. I mean, say what you will about the rest of like different genres and studios, but horror is horror remains pretty solid. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's a solid bet. You can get away with making it relatively cheap, and there is a rabid audience of people that are happy to go out and either watch something because it's like a leprechaun thing where it's just like mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous and goofy but you want to watch it or it's like so creeped out that you just get the rush of endorphins that go through you. Well, it's like crazy. One one that I really like is, is uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard of the Terrifier movies, the Terrifiers. There's, I don't there's think so. Too. And that's the same thing. It's like a super it had like a, the first one had like a, excuse me, a, a $200,000 budget and ended up making I think about five million in uh, theaters, but it was it was almost strictly word of mouth, and yeah. and it, it was such a low budget movie, but it had gore and like real horror done so shockingly well that everybody was talking about it, and that was what drove you know, and and they did a sequel and just doubled down on it, slightly bigger budget, yeah. and the sequel came out, and there were people passing out and puking in theaters because of of the sheer gore factor and and just how just how horrific it is and and that show it's like yeah how horror specifically you could just be so incredibly creative it's such an easy emotion to to derive from people Mm -hmm. you know it almost feels cheap at some points like like you know your cheap jump scares or something like that versus you make a drama you really have to have an intriguing story, mm-hmm. a really good screenplay. Like you have to have some some serious talent in order to get a pure emotion out of people. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. that's, that's an important thing to point out with horror is like like to to de- to yeah to dive deeper onto the cheap scare mm-hmm. or you know the the jump scare. I think that's like the common one you said. Right. But 
to to be fair for you know horror movies and whatnot, there's a lot more that you can get away with that's just surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, makeup, practical effects, how you shoot something, music cues, all, all these different things you can do, and it, you don't necessarily have to even have the greatest actor in the world right, to, right. to portray it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense why it's popular. Um, I don't know if I've ever watched something that like makes me want to like you know puke or pass out. Oh, yeah. I, I I have a pretty I don't know. Like I, I've seen a lot of you know twisted movies over the years. Probably maybe not yeah. so much as some, but I I don't know. Have you guys ever like seen something I've, where I, it's like, man, this is pushing my boundaries? I've, I thought the same thing, and like I know Terrifier Two is now on Amazon Prime, but like when it first you came can watch out, it on Amazon Prime streaming right now. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, <laughs> just sound like a sponsor. Little plug, plug there. <laughs> uh, but I I watched the like a few scenes of it on on YouTube. Yeah, and. I'm the same way. It's like I'll watch, I'll watch a good gory movie, and I've got a pretty strong stomach, right? Mm-hmm. But like some of the lengths they, and I'm not, and I'm gonna spoil the specific scene because I'd hope right. that eventually you'll see it and and experience it for yourself. Again, but, Terrifier Two is available on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. You can watch it right now. <laughs> it, it it was like shocking, and and they like like that was their goal, right? Like yeah. like it, it's almost comedic. When, mm-hmm. when you watch this specific scene, because, mm-hmm. you know, they're just thinking of how far can we take this? No. It doesn't make any sense at all in the story. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just like, it's shocking. And and, and that was that was one of the only times where I was sitting there. I was like, maybe I don't want to keep watching this. It's like. It can be a good sign, though, if you actually are having something make you uncomfortable. Right, exactly. Not, they're not, doing their yeah. job. It's not always pleasant. Yeah. And I think that's that's can be. I've, I've talked with this about. Uh, talked with this in general about movies before with people where so many times when we think of movies, we think of the escapist aspect or mm-hmm. just pure entertainment or nostalgia like we talked about. But what about the movies that just upset you? Mm-hmm. Like that just make you go like, ugh. You know, like, or like you're like disgusted or you're like appalled, like they even offend you. Mm-hmm. Is that not a good thing sometimes? I, I mean, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it means that they're, they're successful. I mean, yeah. anytime you can, you can pull that emotion and, and everybody, everybody mm-hmm. experiences a movie differently, yeah. right? Like everybody has their own interpretation, but regardless of what that interpretation is, yeah, a good movie pulls out that emotion you know from you and and that's that's i think a standard that that you try and reach for Hmm. definitely yeah um i i kind of go to this this is this is my default until i uh probably see more of david lynch's catalog uh i'll i'll refer back to blue velvet which is uh the, the revisiting it it's it's definitely a lot better than i than than i remember it being um, that being said, the content in it is uh, is is can, can be objectionable at sometimes, and uh, mm. and I remember um, I watched it for my film theory class, and there were people in there that basically refused to look at it from a from a theoretical standpoint just because of so uh, there there were there were the objectionable points that they just could not look past, and I mean. To some, it's unfortunate, especially David Lynch fans. Um, but to others, it, it and and I would a- even say David Lynch would say it's understandable. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, just the fact that, especially if uh, if you've experienced some of the uh, some of the horrible things that happen in these in these these movies, then uh, then then it's definitely you're 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 allowed to 
take you know, take what you will and you're allowed to just feel what you feel there's there's no no bounds no yeah nothing <clears throat> i try to look at it a lot of the times in in the frames of context because that's where a movie to me can kind of make or break those types of things because if it is pushing the envelope and whatnot it's like let's remember at the end of the day it is a movie this is not something where a person is putting out a you know a political or a social statement, though some might argue that through the messaging in the movie they are. And in some cases, sure, they mm-hmm. are. But at the end of the day, it is a movie. And I don't necessarily think, you know, unless it's like some one in the million movie where it is just sweeping across to every generation, everybody is taking away something for it. It has a legacy of 50 years. I mean, it doesn't happen that mm-hmm. often. So many times, even if I watch some movie where I'm like, oh, I'm repulsed and oh, this upset me. I guess what in a year from now it's not going to matter, right? I, I yeah. mean that that's just kind of the, the the deal. Yeah, and and even nowadays in the client in the climate of uh, of films and kind of going back to to Blood and Honey, and what they're doing is a lot. Not many people really found found uh, the the gore objectionable or the uh, the the I guess something is some of the other aspects of it objectionable. The only thing that they really found you know, found really wrong about it is that they're taking a uh, a a children's oriented ip right uh and and basically running with it in a direction that is not meant for them and to some to, to some that that's definitely warranted like you don't want to take your kid to uh to to winnie the pooh slasher film i don't know i think i might want to oh <laughs> all right well, well, well it's each no. their own i won't tell you how to parent your kids but uh, i don't have i don't have one yet i'm just thinking of the future offspring just i want to mess them up at an early age right. if possible yeah. but uh, <laughs> but basically getting you know, getting off on you know, getting off of of that yeah um they're they're taking another aspect of of nostalgia um as far as IPs go and running with it in a uh, in a way that a lot of these uh, studios would would run with. And that is making it a, uh, a I guess, the the more apt term instead of a instead of a series or a uh, or, or a, uh, an anthology is a cinematic universe. Because mm, yeah. if you look at the, the director, Reese Frake Waterfield, uh, if you look at his IMDb, there are three films in pre-production. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Peter Pan, and Bambi the Reckoning. What? I don't know. I don't know. And and these are <laughs> and, and and this all spins into a brand new thing that we are just experiencing now. Mm. Uh, a, a, a new thing that is most likely going to twist uh, how people view IPs now or established IPs, especially ones from the Disney catalogs when they borrowed them from uh, from I guess the. Uh, novels or uh or literature right and that is the public domain mm. the, the basically um it would have it would have been a lot sooner if uh if a bunch of like uh um, like disney lawyers tried to uh to protect mickey mouse so many times now i think it's uh 75 years after the author's death you can use uh you can use the uh the the, the copyrighted material that yeah yeah it's something like that yeah yeah um and i think basically the only the only characters so far in the winnie the pooh area that are in the public domain are winnie the pooh piglet owl and rabbit Mm. and i think in 2026 or 2027 tigger is gonna get in there and uh (laughs) 
I'm just going to say as a person that, 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 that basically views blood and honey as a film that's so bad, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really, really hope that, uh, that Tigger comes by in blood and honey two or blood and honey three and, and kicks some ass too. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think something, something interesting. I was just thinking about listening to you talk about this, but like, it is interesting when you take something that is well known, specifically in this case, something that is predominantly considered for children, and you turn it into some murderous freak show thing and and do what you will with it for an audience. Because there's certainly one there. I mean, it proved it because it's making a sequel and you know sells out a, a f- house full of theater people that are probably having a good time uh, laughing. At. I'm sure I'd probably be you know having a having a hoot with it. If people still say that, mm. um, but it is interesting that you can take some of these things and sort of not only change the genre, but you're changing the tone. And it gets me thinking, like, you know, people complain so many times about, like, remakes and, you know, unoriginal ideas and stuff like that. I know it's not for everybody, and I'm not saying take every children's story out there and make Thomas the Train into, like, a serial killer or something crazy like that. But I do like the idea better of taking something old and flipping its genre or putting it into a different lane to kind of be in while still maintaining some of that rather than just doing these kind of copy and paste remakes uh one of the biggest offenders of that was the lion king the that disney one that Mm -hmm. had no soul and it looked nice for sure um but i don't know i i'd rather do that but then that's the weird thing i think studios kind of get in a bind on is they know that that challenges people Mm -hmm. and and it's risk and and we we argue about this all the time specifically about lion king because like you know you look at you look at the Disney remakes, and and essentially what it is is it's taking it's taking a great story, yeah, and and putting a more a more sort of uh, technical uh, complicated uh, picture to it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that, like like Beauty and the Beast. I mean, yeah, it's it's essentially the same story, but you're watching the movie through a completely different view where it's 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 in the real world and 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 why i think they're so popular is cuz cuz those movies that the sort of disney the disney heyday you know the 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 renaissance of of disney animation it it hit home for for that generation of people and they were so popular then where the people it was popular with then have evolved and and grown right. you know individually as people where now they get to experience the same story that they did when they were younger, but in a completely different light, you know? And, and that's why, like, I, I, I love the original Lion King. And, and watching the remake, in my eyes, it was everything I enjoyed about the original story. Right. But just, yeah, like, like a prettier visual, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's why, like, like I don't... You know, there's there's a complaint about you know original ideas and stuff, but it's like it's like a cheap it's like a cheap high, you know, watching 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 one of those movies because because you I know I'm gonna love the story, I know right. I'm gonna love watching it, and you kind of feel a little guilty because you know you know not a whole lot of like creative story work went into it, but sure the the amount of people that it takes to animate something like that and, and what they put into it. It's, yeah. <clears throat> it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the technical side. You're enjoying the same thing you did as a kid, just in a more evolved light, essentially. Yeah. I... In a prettier visual, huh? Right. 
Man, there are a lot of animation theorists that would love to talk to you. Well, <laughs> I, I'm all for hand-drawn animation and original animation and stuff like that. But, like, you can't, you can't deny the fact that there's, there's a lot more detail in something like a live-action Jungle Book or live-action mm. Lion King than there was in hand-drawn. It's just because you can't, you can't reach that level of, of detail in hand-drawn. And, you know, hand-drawn animation or, or, you know, simple animation like that, there's a reason it's so popular is because it, it does exactly what it needs to with, with as, as minimal, uh, work as possible. But I mean, it's, it's just, to me personally, it's just more stimulating watching, you know, watching like, like the jungle book live action versus mm. the original jungle book. They're both great. Yeah. Just completely different forms of animation. Both are, are intriguing. But how much of that detail is necessary? One thing that I, one, one thing that I really go to, and this is basically mm. what our what our banter R- is right. uh, is is based off of. It's like we we find a point and we kind of just dig deeper into it. My sure. my biggest argument for saying that the uh, 2019 Lion King is is not good and mm. the uh, original one is like, I think it's my fourth now in my most recent uh, um, I guess ranking of my top ten films is either fourth or fifth favorite mm. film, um. I, I I often fall back to um, the the anthropomorph anthropomorphic uh, ex- features of the faces of the of the characters. Like Zazu Zazu has teeth. Um, let's see, um, and and like uh, there there are more humanistic aspects to the uh, to the lions. They're they're still lions, but you can you can identify a, a bit more with the face because it's uh, animated and drawn more. To I guess mm-hmm. be able to show human emotions, like yeah, you it can, emotes a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can see uh, Simba when he's like, we, like Simba grits his you know, grits his teeth and and is running towards Scar. He's he, mm-hmm. he has he's he's angry. He's full of rage right now. Um, young Simba, his his ears go down and his and his face is like really long. Whenever when when it's like that. That zoom out shot when, uh, when I guess spoiler alert, uh, uh, Mufasa falls to its to his death. What? <laughs> what? What happens? Oh my god! Oh, Jesus, child, it's um, ruined. It's, he, he's it's, been holding out this long to watch the Lion King, and he just been holding just out. This I had only long? seen the 2016. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or, um, no. Um. Yeah, yeah. Continue. Yeah. Um. You you can see that, and you can you can characterize that more. Whereas in reality, you can't tell if a lion is looking, you know, a lion that's looking at you is just looking yeah. at you just like as a, as a, a moving blob, just walking through his territory or if he's looking at you like, like your dinner. Mm-hmm. And that, that's my point specifically for, uh, for this conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess this is, this is kind of like what we do when we're just, right. just, just hanging out. You know, well, and you guys are looking at it both from like different different right. lenses too, just kind of exploring the idea of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think Dylan, you brought up an interesting point with just the the fact that the whenever the original came out, I don't know what year exactly, but 
the animations of it do uh, include a lot of human features for the animals so that you can kind of feel the emotions more and stuff. But I just find that's interesting because, of course, yeah, I mean, you watch that and it's like a cartoon. So maybe you don't you kind of give it a pass on some of those. Oh, it's not that realistic to how like the animals of the safari like wander around. But then doing the experiment of making it be more photo real and, and doing everything, it's like, well, you know, the story beats are all the same. Even the voice acting is still pretty good and, right. and everything, but you don't connect with it as yeah. much because yeah. you don't see those things. But then it's like it's not what, like, real animals are, but is that really the point? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, like, it, it's sort of hit and miss because, like, I never – you know, you heard a lot. You heard a lot of this criticism, and you know, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You heard a lot of this cr- criticism when when the Lion King came out, right? For whatever reason, I didn't hear. You know, it seems like the Jungle Book remake is like universally loved. Like I think a lot of yeah, a lot of people seem to like that, right? And 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 it's essentially the exact same thing as the as the Lion King as far as animation goes. You're taking a cartoonish, you know, animal yeah. and bringing it into a real world. And Which, it, it, John Favreau did that yeah, one too, right? Yep, yep. And, think, and yeah, he did both. I think the CGI is so, you know, so revolutionary at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's really hit and miss because, like, like The Little Mermaid, you know, the most recent one. Did you guys see that? I I haven't seen it yet, but I know I know a big criticism was uh, the the. The flounder, yeah. the the little fish, and and the crab, uh, 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 Sebastian. Anyway. Sebastian. In in the movie, they're more lifelike, real world animals, right? Right. And it's a completely. They took a lot of liberties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, animating the the creatures back in the day. So it, it just looks like a completely different character, and mm-hmm. and that's a complaint that a lot of people have is is it's hard to connect with them. Mm-hmm. But I I always like. You know, specifically when it comes to something like The Lion King, I, I looked at it as just generally, completely broad. You have you have people that, that enjoy sort of natural beauty, mm-hmm. and you have people that enjoy more artistic beauty, right? And I've been a, I've always been a guy where I love, like, just landscape photographs. Will you, you know. cry at the Grand Canyon? I've never been there, but I, that's one of the things. Like, you've like seen so cliche, many, I feel like that's a right. cliche. Like real men cry at like you know a sunset or something. Right, like like, I, like I, I enjoy I enjoy super detailed landscape natural beauty. Sure. Whereas there's other people who who would enjoy more um, a more unique sort of uh, you know creative take on on what that might be. And I, I think that's a big. Yeah. you know section of what the divide is i enjoy looking at at more realistic natural yeah uh, uh you know pictures or, or scenes and stuff like that and and you know some people are just the opposite and but but how great is it now that we have yeah a version of a story like the lion king where it, it caters to both sides of, of of that spectrum you know well and i also think too regardless of where you stand on this particular movie we won't have the conversation until someone does this. You know, it's like, right. it, like stuff like this. It, I think it does need to happen sometimes to sort of challenge the, the system of like movies getting made like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I do think there is a purpose to it and there is an actual social, like a utility, so to speak, that kind of goes with it. Right. Um, my big thing on, on remakes just in general, and, and then we'll, we'll keep going is, uh, I don't care. Sometimes if something gets remade, I just want there to be a, 
you know, either artistic or a reason for the story, mm-hmm. or there is a, there is a compelling reason to do it other than just, Oh, this is a recognizable brand. We'll sell tickets. Exactly. Like I, I just yep. don't really want that. Like if you're going to change the story or do like a Winnie the Pooh thing or something like, you know, put it into a blood and honey. That's fine. Cause you're doing something different. You're taking a creative Liberty. I might, I might not like it, but I'm going to respect you for it. Right. Whereas if, if you're just really going to tell the same story and, and just kind of interchange a few things, I, yep. wh- why, why do I, I, I don't need that. Like right. I, I can just watch the original. Um, and then I think the, the real scary situation you run into is the, you know, people kind of shudder in horror if they ever say they're going to remake Forrest Gump or they're going right. to, you know, remake the Godfather. You'd be like, are you kidding? Right. Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> some things you shouldn't touch. Cause I think that's like the slippery slope that sometimes people think these things get into. And, and one thing I, I definitely got to mention on this, everybody that's listening, you guys cannot forget this studios are about money. Okay. I mean, let's not forget there is an entertainment business at a whole and they look at what people are paying for. So if you want original movies, you want stuff to go, you're going to maybe have to see the comic book movies a little bit less. You're going to have to go put your wallet someplace else because that's ultimately what gets these things made at the end of the day is money. Right. So absolutely. Just a little message I had to put out there on that. Now I got a question for you guys here. I was thinking about this because I, I have a lot of these movies back here behind me. We were talking about that earlier. And, and sometimes I like to be one of those people where I'll, you know, recommend it. And I'll just be like, hey, like I, I got the co- you know physical copy, hashtag physical media, physical media forever. And I will lend it out to somebody, right? I'm curious how both of you guys, how do you go about recommending a movie to somebody? Like if there's a movie that like you really, you know, really, you know, does something for you and you want someone else to to partake in it like what what do you do to get that done i you know a a lot of times if if i'm if i'm able to and and it's and it's a movie that i i want to share in you know share with somebody Mm. um it's you know hey let's get a group together come over we'll we'll make dinner we'll we'll watch this movie there's and we do it a lot with our friend group we we discover something new it's like hey we need to find the time get a couple guys together do you guys talk during the movie you sit silent are we well it depends on the movie right right and it does there's if i that's that's why i think i love one thing that just and, and i'm guilty of the exact same thing and it's one of those hypocritical things where i see it happen and i freaking hate when people do it but i find myself doing the exact same thing and it's you're sitting at home on your couch watching Mm -hmm. a movie you pop your phone out during during a slow during a slow part of the and 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 you know if it's a movie i've seen before and you know i'm guilty of it but that's that's why i personally love the theater experience so much and if i see a movie Mm -hmm. you know that's just coming out and I want someone like Dylan or one of our other buddies to experience. Like, hey, mm-hmm. let's let's bite the bullet. Let's let's go buy a ticket. Let's go see it in the theater because yeah, I uh, it's just you don't do that in a theater setting, right? Most people don't, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, but if you're especially the more expensive, you know, tickets like I for for most new movies that come out, mm-hmm. you know, this day and if, if they're if they're a real movie that I want to see, like 
every Marvel movie that comes out or DC movie sure. or whatever, uh, Oppenheimer, you know, yep. that's that's one coming up. I I go to uh, the biggest screen I possibly can within a, a reasonable range of my house. I always have the Thursday night early screening yeah. opening tickets. Because I know the experience of me sitting in that theater with other people that are willing to spend the money and take the time mm-hmm. to to put into seeing that movie ahead of time. People are just a lot more respectful. Whereas yeah. when you go to a theater after the movie has been out for four weeks and you pay three dollars mm-hmm. for a ticket, you know it's more people. You know maybe someone's looking for cheap babysitting and they want to bring their kid to a theater. It's it's yeah. a lot more loud. There's a lot more phones. People are. It's just you don't have as much invested in it that no i know exactly what what one you were talking about the re-release for spider-man no way home yeah yeah yes. exactly yes that was and and you guys where it was, a bad bad experience it was that? yeah it was free it, it was like a free ticket or, or like it was like it was like a cheap it was like four dollar tickets yeah. and it was like a it was like mm. a, a, na- a national celebration of movie theaters mm. and we had people up in front like literally having like conversations like we're having right now at the at the pitch that we're having right, right. Just, i went down to go to the bathroom and there was this guy that was in the in the middle of the aisle kneeling down giving giving i'm assuming his girlfriend a foot massage uh and it's... and then there was a bunch of other people and basically eventually somebody shouted out literally just like guys shut up you're being so rude oh my god yeah and then finally some people got um, some people near the front row, I'm assuming it was the foot massage people because mm-hmm. they were the biggest <clears throat> offenders. Um, some, some theater managers came out and kicked them out and they made a big show. Oh yeah. And, uh, l- luckily it was in like one of the most boring parts of it. I'm trying to remember what, what exactly, but, uh, but yeah, they finally got kicked out and, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, the, the, the more money you have invested in and the more, yeah. the more people who are there that actually care about the theater going experience. Yeah. And that's why I'm willing to pay $16 for a ticket and, yeah. and, you know, go experience it. Cause, cause I know it's going to be, it's going to be a respectful audience. And yeah. that's why ideally a theater or, you know, a home is where I encourage, you know, my buddies to, to see a movie or, or, I mean, I'm not the type, I mean, if somebody, uh, as much as I love physical media, sure, I can't deny the fact that I have a number of streaming services I'm subscribed to. Oh, I don't, to. I don't judge, man. But it, but it's one of those deals where I like actually pay for maybe two of them. Yeah. And then here, here's here's my login information. You know, go. Yeah. You know, and I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Mm-hmm. So. I, I have access to pretty much every streaming service there is, and yeah. I only pay for maybe two of them. You know, yeah, you help each other out. So yeah. uh, that you know, last case scenario is, hey, I want you to watch this movie when you got time. Check this one out. Like, like one of our buddies, I I, I rewatched The Sopranos all the way through I've, just recently. I can tell you, I've never seen The Sopranos, yeah. and I feel like crazy on that because I love mob movies yeah. and like the you, whole thing. You and... need to, and I can't. I think it's on HBO Max is is where i don't you I mean re-watch. max yeah my bad my bad max <laughs> but i i told him i was like you need to watch the sopranos yeah. and over the course of of you know maybe a month or so he watched the series mm. and and you know i don't know how much he paid attention whatever but like i i wasn't there to nitpick or get mad if he's on his phone or something like that right. <laughs> but but he had a good experience watching it and that you know, that's all I care about is, is you know, somebody could enjoy it as much as everybody else. So, Dylan, what about you? How, how do you go about recommending to people? Uh, kind of on the same vein of that is um, basically 
if it's a new release, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just I'll just band a bunch of people and and I'll and I'll go and see it in the theater. Um, I and and the whole thing. I, I remember. Uh, I think Lucas said, "Okay, I'll just bite the bullet and buy a ticket." And the fact that you have to say "bite the bullet" right. is uh, is 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 kind of kind of a a, a telling part of where uh, where ticket prices are going. And there are some places that like very like I guess local local like uh, uh, nonprofit theaters. I think we have like two or three in our in our area where mm. basically they. They 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 play movies, but they get them maybe like two weeks after it's been released, and they but the the tickets are like four or five dollars, and the concessions are even cheaper sometimes. Mm-hmm. The 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 issue you have there is that they will only play uh, films that will have the greatest community outreach, which probably means that there are a bunch of movies oriented towards children. Right. And uh, and and Marvel movies basically. Right. And with you know with that, uh, it it's it's it it sucks that they won't probably won't be getting into more art house cinema. Mm-hmm. And I, I I sound so pompous when I say that, but I mean it's it's true. Um, if you can just get past the fact that it's not a Marvel or a DC movie, mm-hmm. you 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 open up the 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 world of cinema by like. I don't know, like, like, probably like thirty percent more, and then if you can just subtitle all the foreign films, then you get the entire scope of cinema. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of thoughts that are running through my head listening to both of you guys talk about it. Um, one, I think it's really interesting that when you're asked the question, you kind of think about not necessarily the you know strictly physical media thing where I'm going to borrow someone a disc and stuff. Not that that's not possible these days. You might just recommend someone to watch something on a streaming service, like put it on your list. You know, mm-hmm. do that whole thing. Um, but even recommending someone to the, the, the theatrical experience, which I am glad you guys touched on that. Cause I, I love the theatrical experience. I don't do it for every movie, but right. who does? Right. Um, but I think you guys both, you both said something where I think it's true in that the, the ticket price is an interesting thing, especially now. Um, you know, we all know how expensive a late night matinee is, especially if it's opening weekend and whatnot. Um, you get like one of those heated seats or, you know, something mm-hmm. scratch your backs or something. Uh, it could be like, you know, 16, 17 bucks, yep. like for like a ticket if, it, if it's expensive enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is interesting where if you're if you're talking about the price of tickets and you keep them too cheap, it does seem to open the door for disrespect. Right. Or it can yeah. just kind of like anybody can can come in and do this. And. Weirdly enough, you don't want to be excluding the people. That's mm-hmm. kind of the point of movies is you want to bring people together. But then it's like, you know, if, if people are not paying that money on there, then how do you kind of find that happy middle ground to be able to accommodate both? Right. And that's and that's why I think, it, you know, so great that you have a wide variety of theaters that, that are able to reach all those. Like, I, yeah. you know, you might know, my, my go to is is the, the, the Marcus Theater in Waterloo. It's got the DLX, you know, the deluxe Dolby yeah. uh, big screen with the reclining chairs and everything. Like, it, you know, it's it's a fancy theater. Mm-hmm. I know for a Thursday night early screening of a brand new blockbuster coming out, it's going to cost me sixteen dollars and some change for a ticket, and probably twenty to twenty-five bucks for uh, a food. You know, so I've gone to so many, I've done the same process. I understand what I'm getting into, mm-hmm. you know, money wise, <clears throat> but it's there's a certain group of people that are willing to pay yeah. that for that experience. 
And the opening night, early screenings at those big deluxe theaters are for that group of people, you yeah. know. And and the the theaters that are going to get the movie two weeks later for a three dollar ticket mm-hmm. and you know some cheap popcorn are for the people who still would like to enjoy a movie, but maybe don't aren't concerned that much with the theatrical experience as a whole. Yeah. It's just, it's just a good way to see the movie. You know, I think two things that uh, it's a combination of the relationship that happens with the distributor and the exhibitionist being the theater owner is you have to sort of find that, that fine line between the numbers where like, you know, we don't want to necessarily go too cheap, but we don't want to alienate and have everything be super expensive only for like the hardcore film people that really respect this and treat it like a church practically when they go. Um, I have been one of those people where if you get me on this subject, I don't think the profit model is fair for a lot of theater chains to make enough money henceforth why they have expensive ass popcorn Mm -hmm. and and other stuff. Um, why that model has not been reworked or maybe God forbid somebody has tried to do it and I'm just not aware of it. I'm not sure, but I do think there's something to be said about how much the studios do take and leave for the theater to kind of fend for themselves. And that's kind of why you have some of these inconsistencies with your quality of theater. Now that's just a generalization. I'm sure there's more to it. Um, I but, could get but into I hope that, but yeah. <laughs> I, opt, I will opt not to, just because yeah. I'll send us down a rabbit hole and we'll never be able to dig ourselves out. Another time, another time. Yes. And what what you pointed out earlier, just real quick to wrap it up. Yeah. If people are willing to pay that number, then you know the yeah. ticket price isn't going to change. And where I think a lot of theaters understand, you know, we're selling out the theaters at sixteen dollars and. $17 a ticket. Right. So there's no incentive to to lower the price of tickets, you know? And cuz <laughs> I mean, hey, you're selling you're selling that you got people like me willing to pay that price, you know? It's the same thing from as movies, you know, you you want to send a message. Yeah. Stop opening up your your wallet. Yep. You know, you don't like all these Disney remakes, these Disney blockbusters. No. They're making a billion dollars each <laughs> like it no you know? it, it's i i'm really i'm really big on putting your money where your mouth is or mm-hmm. at least i really try my best to do that now i'm not gonna pretend like i'm someone like i'll never shop at a corporate place yes i have bought a starbucks before okay i've mm-hmm. done it I've gone to a target I've gone to these big places but if it's something i do really care about like i'll find a kickstarter or i will find somebody's merch that they have for something that i really believe in right. what they're doing yep, and absolutely. i want to i want to put it out there um, I do think it's important that people do that for movies for sure. And they continue to, cause a lot of those people, they may not always get the credit, but they're what is kind of the lifeblood and keeps it going ultimately for, uh, economic reasons. But, um, one more, one more couple little things on here. And then I think we're going to, we're going to call this quits on this, but I, I have enjoyed the conversation thus yeah. far with the both of you. I, I don't usually do this, but I, for some reason, when I was prepping this, I was like, I want to kind of play a couple little games with you guys before we're, we're done. I know some podcasts do that. They throw in a game and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. So, okay, this is what I got. And you don't have to overthink these. This game, I, I don't have a great name for it. I'm just going to call it the Men in Black Neuralize a Movie thing, where, you know, you take the little thing, and that was a cheap sound effect of the erase your memory thing. So, basically, I'm going to give you guys two movies, and you have to select one that you would happily erase your memory of ever seeing so that you could rewatch it again for the first time. Uh, yep, that's good. That's okay. Good. So, it's the first one. 
2001 Space Odyssey or Blade Runner? I would have to go with, uh, wait, wait, Blade Runner or Blade Runner uh, 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 2049? Good distinction, the first one. The first one? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd have to go with Blade Runner because I haven't seen 2001. Okay. Um, so so you can have that moment. Yeah, I can have that moment still. So <laughs> so yeah, I would I would definitely go with Blade Runner. I'm I'm sort of the exact opposite. Never seen Blade Runner. Never gotten into that into that franchise. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'd say if I could relive watching 2001 again, I mean, yeah, that'd, that'd be a that'd be solid. But I, I I'd want to relive it like yeah in a theater. Like how, how I, awesome I was just that about be? to say if you have not seen it, I don't know when their next like rescreening of something's right. going to be, but that I would, would definitely be. recommend if that can be your first time, make that happen. Yeah. Like you you will be pleased. Um I think if I was answering that it is, it is tough. I think emotionally speaking, I get more out of Blade Runner mm-hmm. um just on personal levels, but then cinematic, artistic, you know, just like the pure our tour without sounding too pretentious Kubrick. I mean, I, I don't know how I really match that. Right. Um, it is, it is tough, but I actually, I'm going to go with Blade Runner because especially at the age I'm at now, I think if I didn't have any memory of it and went into it at the age I am now versus when I did first watch it when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it as much then. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at a better mindset if I was going to rewatch it now. Yes, definitely. I and and I keep on meaning to do this. I have the same experience with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. Um, I, I watched it when I was like ten or eleven, and uh, I think I only started really appreciating appreciating it when I saw the Return of the King. So yeah, yeah. Oh, another distinction: um, theatrical cut or director's cut of Blade Runner. Hmm. Well, the Blade Runner one's tricky because there's like five cuts. Yeah, there's yeah. like I've, the final cut as I've, well. I've seen that. I've seen the director's cut. Hmm, I don't even know which one that is because I know there's like there's like two director's cuts. There's like a fan yeah. cut. Like there's, there's a lot of different cuts. I don't know if there's if there's that much of a convoluted distinction. I would. Well, have I'll, to... I'll say this: not the theatrical one, I guess, because I it, yeah. it's really weird. Like everybody that saw that, they pretty much universally panned it. Even the creators are just like, yeah, that one sucked. Like it, it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Next one. Goodfellas or Casino. So you got to erase your memory of one. Assuming that you both have seen that. I'd say Goodfellas. These are the moments that I question whether or not I should be going into cinema. Uh, I can't answer this because I haven't mm. seen either. Okay. Okay. Hey, you know what? F- fair enough. And and something I, 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 I got to throw this out there to people because how often have we been in a room or we've been in the conversation and you say to me, hey, Jordan, I've never seen Goodfellas. And you get the... <gasps> Oh my god! Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, right. blah, 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 blah. like, there are so like, many movies out there. How am I gonna fault yeah. somebody for not seeing one? And, and nowadays, you only get that for Marvel and and right. Marvel and like superhero and other like Disney movies because yeah. every at least at least for the layman's, they most people have only seen Disney and Marvel movies. Yeah, and and that is extremely unfortunate um guys if if you're i'm I'm assuming if you're if you're listening to this podcast um you're not that kind of person uh i hope not but if you have a friend that does that um sit them sit them down like like tell them we're we're like give them a date and time we're watching the godfather or or we're watching apocalypse now or or we're watching citizen kane interesting thing that you brought up you might not have meant to, but it, it brought it up in my brain. 
is my my wife and I are actually like this sometimes where she she is not a movie person. I mean, she loves me. She respects my craft for this. She respects the podcast. It's awesome. I love you. Couldn't do it without you. Um, but I do like how she is open-minded to watching a movie that like I maybe have a passion about. Like, let's, you know, you mentioned The Godfather. I'll just say, let's say I made her watch Apocalypse Now, right? She would watch that movie and maybe not fully, like, kind of understand it, but she actually would want to have me kind of talk about it after the fact mm-hmm. and then be like, oh, that's 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 kind of different. Like now I do have a different appreciation. And I do think it is interesting where if you did find that friend and you put them down and you have them watch The Godfather, they're not having to do it alone. They sort of have a not to say like you like know everything with film, but you can be a guide to them kind mm-hmm. of in a way to help ease them into looking into movies of this world. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah, that that's actually something that I that I do um like currently it's like whenever whenever i have like a like a film that i personally enjoy but yeah. most people probably wouldn't do that like literally the cattle the catalog for most uh most of the catalog for the can film festival every year or right. or sundance or something because they're um at least those are the ones that that get out there um i think uh i think the most recent uh, recent one was i uh i i find that it's much more uh you you, you get you get much better results if you ask the person for a date and a time that they're available and then say, okay, we are going to go ahead and watch this because to some people, yeah. the reason why, the reason why that they dedicate themselves to a TV show is because they can start and stop whenever they want to. Right. Whereas a film, you just, you have to, to sit down for an hour yeah, or two Please hours. don't pause it a bunch. Yeah. Like, yeah no. no, 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 that's, that's not that. And, yeah. and, and while I prefer the latter, some, a bunch of people prefer the former. So yep. I, uh, for, for film theory, I watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was uh, which was premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2019, won Best Screenplay. And if you watch it, you'll see why it is is really good. Uh, I have not seen and, that. Yeah, and and I and I just and one of my one of my friends who is a part of the demographic that I would say would really enjoy that. Um, basically, uh, I I asked her, hey, I have this movie that I that I watched. Uh, when when am I crashing by you know, by your place and when are we watching it? And she gave me a date and time. Just make it happen. I went over and I put it up on Prime and uh, bam, yeah. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is available on Amazon Prime. That was some supreme sound quality. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, if, if anything, I'll just take the decibel level on that, on that specific moment and just really crank it up so that people know to get that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually, about the, the podcast voice, um, I, I do. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say this and then we'll get to the, to yeah, the next yeah, part yeah. of it. Um, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Uh, my, my, uh, uh, academic advisor at the university of Iowa, mm-hmm. we, we've had a couple of, we, all of our meetings have been over on zoom and I, I definitely don't have as nice of a mic, uh, for that. I, I, I literally bought something from Walmart. Walmart for like twenty dollars. Um, hey, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So I, I put that on there, and I and I would have conversation with her. And uh, when I was getting my, basically all my ducks in a row to get registered for classes in this upcoming semester, I was I, I she told me, hey, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? And I'm like, oh, I mean, I've I've tried it before. I've been on other podcasts. She's like, sure. yeah, yeah, no, no. You seem like. You you have one of the voices that that would be on like a true crime podcast or or on like a like a narrative podcast almost. So mm-hmm. I mean, 
if the uh, if if the if the film if the practical filmmaking or the live action filmmaking doesn't uh, work out, I might uh, I might I might go into voice acting. Who knows? There's a whole there's a whole thing we could talk about on what makes a person's voice be something that other people want to listen to. Aside from you know personality or anything mm-hmm. like that, it's just purely like what is it about the inflection and the sound of my voice that makes somebody want to you know tune in? Presumably. It's an interesting subject. Yeah. Something to definitely, you know, rattle around in your brain late at night. Yeah. But another one to think about here, guys. This one is pretty easy. Jaws, Jurassic Park. Which one are we going to erase? Mm. From Jurassic, our Park. Yeah, Jur- Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Jurassic yeah. Park. Why, why is that? It's, uh, basically, I, I go on spectacle. <clears throat> um, Jurassic Park is in my top 10 favorite films of all time. Uh, yeah. And I, I will say, I, I saw Jaws before I saw Jurassic Park. Mm. And it was like, it was like a six month difference, though. And I don't know. Even as a kid, I was able to see through the, uh, see, see through the, uh, the, uh, the fact that, that Jaws was a, was a puppet, was an, an animatronic. Yeah. I was able to see through that. And, and, Given it was a product of its time, and and I, I'm assuming most of the time they were hoping to uh, obscure most of the uh, of the of the animatronic in the water more than it probably was, and it also was a nightmare to operate. If uh, I mean, if we if we get Richard Dreyfuss or uh, or Steven Spielberg on here, I'll, I'll, I'll get them on. Yeah, no, you'll get them on. Get them on. And, and basically, <laughs> just just talk about all the technical errors that they had with the with the Jaws anim- animatronic. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you can fill fill yourself out on like a two and a half hour podcast. Um, Jurassic Park. Yeah. The, the first time that the, uh, the, the first time that the, uh, I, a lot of people go to the, uh, go to the T-Rex or to the, uh, or to the Brachiosaurus when you first see, you know, see them. And yeah. both of those are really, really good. Like both of those are really good, good spots. Um, what I really liked were the Velociraptors and just the, the fact that they were able to, to move so dynamically and, yeah. and albeit you'll be able to see some, some parts where maybe they slipped up on the parts where they wanted to be more practical with them. Um, but yeah, that's that. And another thing, another interesting thing that I learned from film theory, um, Steven Spielberg, uh, after after shooting Jurassic Park, basically they were doing the CG for it, and basically uh, 24 frames of one uh, dinosaur CG model mm-hmm. took like six hours to render. That's wild. And and it was so it was such a lengthy process that Steven Spielberg actually actually went and shot Schindler's List mm-hmm. while Jurassic Park was still rendering. So the whiplash that Spielberg must have felt going from Holocaust movie to dinosaurs, Holocaust dinosaurs. I know, he actually, weirdly enough, uh, he talked about that specifically in like a fairly recent interview. Something for like probably like press for like the Fablemans or something because I think that's his most recent one. But I swear to God, if you look it up, he literally talks about that juxtaposition of like dinosaurs holocaust mm-hmm. like yeah. i mean <laughs> big all, big difference i mean albeit if you're talking about jurassic park the novel the whiplash may not be as prevalent i never because, read the book yeah um yeah. If, if you ever read the book it's not an adventure it's not a fun adventure it's it's go into it expecting more yeah. of a horror element should that get remade then yeah because maybe it could be more faithful to the book yeah i don't know i mean i mean in the in the book uh, Michael Christian who's the uh, who's the author yep. makes it known that like there there's the uh, there's the part where they they talk about how they had to fill you know, fill the holes in the DNA with uh, with like the DNA of like frogs da- and lizards Dino and DNA Dino <laughs> DNA um Michael Christian 
And basically, one of the one of the characters has a revelation. These aren't dinosaurs. Mm. These are not dinosaurs. And 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 it's a it's a biological fact in 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 that in that fantasy, but somehow it makes it even scarier. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm, I think the good thing the good thing about you know uh, f- for people my age, I feel like you're almost able to to relive the experience of watching Jurassic Park again when yeah. they when they did Jurassic World because it, it it was such a well done sequel and and I think why so many people enjoyed it is you took so many of the original elements that you liked from Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and they built off of that but they also gave you pieces that that you wished you could have seen like they gave you what a fully functioning dinosaur park could be yeah and i, I think in that one, in that one like, too they had like the underwater dinosaur as well which i think people yeah. had wanted to see something like yeah that yeah so time. so that's 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 an example mm-hmm. of of building off of a popular ip yeah but telling telling an original compelling you know, story that just builds on what was previously there. I will say this just for the record. I am not personally a fan of the Jurassic world movies or any of that, but I do like the Velocicoaster at universal, yeah. which is an offshoot from that movie. So I guess without that movie, I don't get the Velocicoaster. Right, right, so I, yeah. I will take that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the convergence of IPs and, and, and putting them into other mediums of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. You Actually, get... I was like, like, I always think it'd be really interesting, like not to go on a squirrel moment about theme parks and IP going into that, but like what's Schindler's list, the ride, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Probably uh, not anything I, appropriate. I, 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 I could, I could give a very, very dark answer, but I probably won't because I'll probably get canceled. Now. Yeah, no, no, I, and maybe that's like a, like a drastic thing, but it's like I just do think it'd be interesting. No, I mean, no right. one's gonna pony up the dough for this, no. but wouldn't it be interesting if you just took a take like a beautiful mind? I'm just thinking of a movie on right. the top. There are absolutely no ride elements to that or anything like that, but. Right. I, I don't know. Like I, I'd like. I think it, I would. I, I think it'd be refreshing if there was a theme park that, had, like you know, say Lionsgate opens something and they make you know John Wick the ride or something. The Green Mile. Like, like, like let's let's do something different. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the Green Mile. I think I think the you couldn't make a roller coaster out of it, but you could make an immersive experience in the location that they shot it at. Maybe yeah. could be like a, I mean, it could be like, okay, here's how I can see this. Cause I, I was at universal in January, so it's relatively fresh in my head. Here's how the green mile plays out. Cause it can't be any worse than the fast and furious, ride That's there just for the record. Don't ever ride that it's a pile of shit. Um, you basically do like one of those 3D things where like you kind of have like a little pulley cart or something. There's a 3D visual and yep. basically just a slow straight crawl. It literally does nothing. And you just have Harry Dean Stan say, walking the mile, walking the green mile, like <laughs> continuously. The entire time. Um, maybe a couple like flash images of like Mr. Jingles and yep. I don't know the, you know, Sam Rockwell uh, in that movie. I don't know. Something like that. Would the ride be? It could shock mile. you at one point. Would the, would the ride be one mile exactly? I mean, that would be very cool yeah, if it I was. Like. I mean, just slow. I mean, you could probably, like, I mean, most of these rides anyway are, like, well, like, three minutes to get through yeah. at full speed. Yeah. I think we could make yeah. this happen, guys. 
Someone's gonna listen to this, and they're gonna they're gonna as long as it. as long as you boys are willing to invest, you know, all the money, I'm more than happy to. I, mean, take I got like twenty bucks well. at this idea. I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I'll give it like literally. I'm at the point where I can give you this idea for free. Just give put my name in the credits. Right. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Okay, final game, and then we are done. Swear to God. Yeah. Um, this one more straightforward. It's just a racing one from existence. You know, very easy question to ask. So I'm going to put two movies against each other and you have to delete one and it can never, it, it's just never going to be there. It's gone. Star Wars A New Hope or Star Trek Rathacon? Star Trek Rathacon. Star Trek Rathacon. It's out of there. Right? Yeah. It's I, didn't, I didn't say, I was going to say Star Trek The Motion Picture because technically speaking, that's the first theatrical for right. the Star Trek movies, but most people kind of hate that movie. Right. Um, so I'm like, well, I got to pit it against Rathacon, but yeah. I, I too would be like that because I'm just more of a Star Wars guy myself. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now I, I just thought of this loophole. Um, it, we're erasing it from existence would we also be erasing it from our own minds of oh existence yeah, yeah, or else? yeah. So, so so i can't erase so so i couldn't erase star trek and then late just to later on make it myself correct okay. yeah you don't have any of the story idea it's just it's gone yep doesn't exist anymore yeah. uh, I, i'm i'm sorry to all my trek you know what uh, trekkies or trek, whatever trekkies trek, yeah. i'm sorry to all my trekkies out there star yeah. wars is, star wars has more more place in my heart now see if you guys have seen these comedies i tried to put comedies mm. on here Animal House, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. Yep. Ho- hopefully, uh, or Airplane. I don't think I've. It. I don't think I've ever seen Airplane. Oh shit! Uh, I mean, you guys I, are young. I, I haven't mean, seen Animal House, so there you go. Okay, but so, but you, so you've seen Airplane, yeah. or one of you has seen. Airplane, I, I've seen Animal House. Seen I've, Animal se- I've House. seen Airplane for a score many years ago. What? Um, wait, is Airplane <laughs> the one with? Uh, who's that guy? It's the older gentleman with white hair. What? What's uh, that? Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. 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 So I've seen parts of it. I've just never seen the full movie. You guys might have to watch the two. Like they're yeah. iconic comedies. Oh like, yeah, they're, they're hilarious. No, I've watched. I've that's that's a bad habit of mine. Is like movies I haven't seen. I'll I'll get into a rabbit hole of watching just like clips on YouTube. Man, and and like you know they're intriguing. They're hilarious. I love them. But like I haven't sat down and watched the actual movie, which is you know. Uh, I think for this last one, I'm going to quite literally be impulsive, and I'm going to pick two random movies behind me. I'm not even like I'm not even going to like like look that. No, I, I'm I'm literally looking at them, and I'm like I, I want to pull a switcheroo and just be like, oh, this and I don't even know what this is. Okay, Judas the Black Messiah <laughs> or Castaway. I, I've never seen. I've never Judas. seen Judas the Black Messiah. It's okay, but uh, I mean. I, I'm keeping cat like this. Right. This can like yeah. I'm sorry. I I can't take away Tom Hanks and the volleyball right. from the world. Right. Wilson. It's so good. I'm sorry, it's Wilson. Not, it's probably not the greatest comparison, but that's what's fun about this. Com- yeah. Two completely yep. different exactly. movies. So exactly. Yeah. I made it work. Um, you guys, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I don't. It, it was a great discussion. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was nice to sit down and and talk with you know pretty much a complete stranger like aside from yeah like i don't know you some social media interactions and like yeah. you know you stalking me on social media and all that stuff I mean, like, I, I, like i said i had to do my due diligence <laughs> right. make, make sure you're not like a, a psychopath i, I or appreciate something. it i appreciate it. <laughs> i uh it, it was it was great just sitting down with somebody i've i've never met and and talking about something that we have in common something yeah. something we both love and yeah. it's been it's been a great experience awesome yeah. man it was, it was great. Dylan, this is time yeah. number two for you. Probably better circumstance this time yeah. around. Not that the first one's bad, but you know, it's just more. 
more uh, controlled. I, I I get that, and and honestly, I'm I mean I I I like it whenever I'm able to just get get here and same situation, just talk about my passions and do everything. Yeah. Uh, especially coming from what most people would call an uncreative town, um, it's it's very much uh, it's it's it it's therapeutic almost. So I I really yeah. enjoy this, and and I'm I I I'm at an advantageous part, you know, part of my, uh, uh, filmmaking, uh, hobby career, whatever I want to call it, where I can like really go in and really talk about what I really feel and what I really like. Yeah. Yeah. And final thought, if I may flip the script, sure. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at your, uh, at your, um, like lists and everything. And I just thought of, and I just thought of this, I'm going to pit two trilogies against each other. One of them has to go. Okay, so they, we're going to do the eraser game. Okay. Yeah, the eraser game. Okay. And and this is going to be the penultimate one. Uh, audience, uh, feel Got free it. to uh, feel free to play along. Yeah. All right. Yeah, two, leave, a, leave a comment. Yeah. Two trilogies. The uh, the newest Planet of the Apes trilogy. Great choice. Or Christopher Nolan's Dark the Dark Knight trilogy. Ooh. So one is actually not like just a quick answer for me. Right. Yeah. Mm, okay. Let me think about this for a second. All right, I'm going to go through my thoughts out loud until one of you guys has a concrete answer for this. So, okay, Batman is Batman, right? I mean, he's iconic. He's been around forever. A lot of iterations of him, and, and a lot of people would argue Nolan's iterations are theatrically uh, theatrically, yeah, theatrically speaking, holy shit, the best, right? Mm-hmm. Though I would also say the Planet of the Apes largely elevated i mean hugely elevated the technology certainly people have a lot more respect for the motion capture um, performance capture sorry i don't want to do discredit to andy circus and his amazing team um this oh man why'd you do this to me um I'm, I, I'm wondering why i did this to myself yeah i, I i'm not gonna cop out though i'm gonna give a def- i'm gonna give an answer for better or worse you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in just well i, I, I think about that um you know what, man? Uh, I'm probably not going to be popular for this, but I, I'm uh, goodbye, goodbye, Dark Knight, and <laughs> goodbye, yeah. goodbye, Batman. I'm keeping the apes, <laughs> keeping the monkeys. Yeah. Um, I can explain my reason if we have to back, if I got to back it up, I but uh, I won't. I won't make you do that. I think. I think for me, it's a shit question. It, I, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it is a tough one. Um, and there's and there's pros and cons to both of them uh, and reasons to keep both of them. Yeah. But I think I'm going to go the opposite and I'm I'm going to keep I'm going to keep the Dark Knight. Yeah. Mostly for the fact of like, like I'll admit I'm I'm a comic book movie nerd. Like I'm I'm a sucker for right. for Marvel for DC you know any of them that come out, and I and I love when people and, and this exact same ar- argument can be made for the Planet of the Apes series. Um, depending on the people where I feel like the dark Knight series brought a sophistication to the comic book genre. Right. And, sure. and that, that sort of was a blueprint for a lot of other great movies moving forward. And, and the same argument can be said about the planet of the apes where mm-hmm. it, it took, it took an otherwise sort of almost cartoonish, you know, series, it, it, in the what was it, in the sixties, the original was yeah, uh, I can't remember the exact year, like sixty eight, let's call and it. And it brought a sort of sophistication to to the and it's not and it wasn't like a remake. No. Essentially. It was no. it was almost like a prequel. No. Um but but I feel like it just 
for me personally, the mm. the Dark Knight had a had a more uh, had a larger impact on on the movie no. escaping in general. Yeah. No matter how you cut it, Tim Burton has some say in it because he directed the first Batman. Yeah, yeah that's true. He, he paved the way for that. Yeah, yep. he paved the way for both. Even of them, George so. Clooney and his nipples, like they <laughs> right, he, he right. paved the way. Yep, and yeah. intentionally paved, paved the way. But... Paved the way for what not to do in some of the cases, like the I, back credit. There's card. literally like a whole YouTube video I think I watched on that of someone basically trying to utterly defend Batman and Robin because of just that, where it's mm-hmm. like you don't get this without that. Right. It's so weird yeah. though. You go through shit just to get... I mean, the big thing for me was, like, Heath, Heath Ledger's performance almost... And, and people talk about it all the time. I mean, but there's there's out. for good reason. Right, like, right. And, and and the fact that he, he, you know, he won he won Best Actor. Yeah, post, uh, post his post, death. Yeah. You know? well, and I was going to try and say that with post, post him I can never... Yeah, I, did, I, was, I was thinking I'm trying I, to I say the word. But, but that, yeah. like, that shows <laughs> that... that alone showed that the comic book genre yeah, could was, be taken yeah. seriously in in the awards space you know yeah, the highest uh, highest i mean one of the highest accolades possible on right. the biggest platform and yeah. then you see it recreated and, and that's true like with the joker joaquin phoenix won best actor for for his portrayal of the joker yeah and 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 that got nominated for best picture so, yeah, so crazy. you wouldn't you wouldn't have that without you know. But again, the same argument can be made for Planet of the Apes on on a completely different you know spectrum. Like, I admit I didn't want to overthink the answer, and uh, I just like monkeys. Right, I, I'm, I'm a sucker. <laughs> Sorry, for apes. apes. Too. Yeah, exactly. I don't, don't want to diminish like, the monkey. Right, like, right. <laughs> primates, primates. We could say it's like an overarching. You know, I like Donkey Kong. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you guys, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank Appreciate you. Thank it. you very much yeah, for having us. Um, and thanks, everybody, that's, uh, that listened to this point. I would be would be curious to hear what you guys would think of the Batman Dark Knight trilogy yeah. versus the Apes prequel trilogy. Uh, though I, they are making Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. now, too. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to diminish the, the trilogy, but whatever. We'll, we'll leave the future to decide. But you guys, appreciate it. Yeah, this absolutely. Is good. Thank, Thank you very much. much.